Welcome back to Beers and Careers, everybody. This is Mark Augustinelli. Um, and as always, Beers and Careers is sponsored by the Davis Companies, www.davisco's.com, D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Davis is a full-service staffing firm that offers a variety of products, including uh, way, different ways to look and manage your talent acquisition as well as your contingent workforce. Uh, so for more information, definitely reach out to the kind folks over there at Davis. Um, the guest today is Lori Jones. Lori, uh, really interesting. One of the first customers uh, that I served um, in my career was a company that Lori owned. And we get into where that company was from in her career path. Uh, we touch on uh, so many different factors in her decision making and then also kind of pull back the curtains on what it's like to really have a true startup uh, life when you start a business with your husband. Uh, which was really interesting. And then we get into, uh, you know, she's currently a professor at a local university and really is giving back to uh, some of the knowledge and what she's learned along the way. So we had an awesome time. Great conversation. Such a kind woman. I really hope you enjoy the the time and the great conversation with Lori Jones. Enjoy. So, well, thank you first for joining us on Beers and Careers today. Um, the guest is Lori Jones, who... Uh, self-described portfolio career, which which we love here at Beers and Careers. I think uh, you and I, I know you, uh, we were just discussing two seconds before we uh, turned this whole shebang on, that uh, I worked at a company that you founded. Uh, I worked as a uh, vendor at a company you founded uh, about eight or ten years ago now, so I felt like there's a level of kindred spirits when Andrea was like, we're having Lori on. I was like, I I think I kind of know her, but I don't. And uh, um, so thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, well, cheers. Your beverage of choice. I love it. Honest green tea. Yes. With the coronavirus going around, this is probably the <laughs> smartest choice we could have made. Thank you. Um, so do you mind maybe by starting just to give our listeners an overview, maybe like the Reader's Digest version of your... Uh, of your career thus far and we can unpack it along the way or at the end? So career, uh, a pre-college degree, because that was kind of... Uh, sure. And then post-college degree. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the short version, version for pre-college degree. I always liked working. I always had something going. I put myself through college. My earliest job I can remember where I wasn't getting money from a family member was when I was 10 years old and I mm. babysat for a neighbor. Okay. And then it just went from there. And putting myself through college, I had two or three jobs a year mm. because I was putting myself through college. Mm. All different kinds, all told. Until the degree, it was about 13 different types of work okay. and about 25 different employers, but only 13 W-2 okay. type jobs. Right. And ranged all the way from babysitting to clerks, retail clerks, and a variety of different places. I worked work study in college in mm -hmm. three different offices, um, counseling, registration and admissions, and institutional research. And I also uh, decided I wasn't making enough money and put myself through bartending school and worked in a number of different restaurants and started my own bartending business before I graduated from college. And that was really just to put food on the table. Yeah, what you, what, uh, when did you get your degree? How old were you? 
Uh, it was a bit ways back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. But like, I, of all of those roles, where is that? I have so many questions. Uh, um, we haven't even gotten to I know, post-college. Yeah, you, know, you keep going. I, I'll let them simmer. And, and I'll, all right, I'll then we can come back. Uh, post-college, my degree was psychology. I had planned to be a teacher. Okay. And they didn't let you major in education, so you had to select another major. But you were in the education certificate program. So I became president of the Education Association. I was able to go to an NEA conference representing the state of Maryland. I did my student teaching. I actually was a substitute teacher at times for the for the a partner teacher for the teacher that I worked for mm-hmm. and then I decided that teachers were really put upon uh, they really uh, had a, a really hard life and I decided maybe I'd try to find a job in my major which was psychology mm-hmm. so the first job I had was actually with the University of Maryland School of Medicine and it was a behavioral research intensive behavior program for people who were emotionally and mentally challenged who were being deinstitutionalized from state institutions. It was quite an education, mm-hmm. quite a shock for a 22-year-old. Right. But it was also, uh, I worked with fabulous people, learned a lot, and so that was a, it led me to 10 years in medical research, working then for the National Institutes on Aging as well as uh, Johns Hopkins University. And it was there then that I went on to get a, master's degree in business mm-hmm. and at Hopkins, at Hopkins okay. while I was working okay and so you're originally from Maryland I am okay I'm gonna go ahead and up with that huge leap um, how'd you get to Boston well this really great guy I'm married to mm-hmm. uh, decided that he would really like to have another job mm-hmm. so I left the only state I'd ever known okay and he moved me to the tundra here in Massachusetts yes. is the way I was looking at it <laughs> It's not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's not, but it was a big change for me. And uh, it was, I had lived in a lot of different places in and around Baltimore, but never had lived out of state. But it was also exciting because there were so many more places we could learn about and, and visit and be tourists. And right. So it was a lot of fun. And we came here with two small boys at oh, the time. Very cool. They were very young. Very cool. So did you meet at college or in the grad programs? No, actually, I found him on a doorstep <laughs> I'm in Baltimore. No <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can leave our audience with that cliffhanger. I was, was it Halloween? <laughs> I was meeting a friend, and we, I was going uh, with my friend to an arts festival in Baltimore. Okay. And they have it every year, and it's called Artscape. Mm. And I was leaving a, a part-time job. Again, even when I was working full-time, I had part-time jobs because I wanted to go to a professional conference where I was going to be presenting papers mm. and needed a little extra money. So I left the Inner Harbor job, came to my friend's house to change, and he was sitting on the doorstep, and this was her neighbor. Mm. And that was how we were introduced. Oh, and then we all went to Artscape together. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, side note, I went to, I visited Baltimore last October. I know the city's gone through quite a revitalization, as most uh, have in the last 20 years. But man, what an awesome place! We had we had a blast in that inner harbor. Is kind of what I think made me uh, made it ring back for me. But we had so much fun in that city. Oh, there's it's a great eating town. Yeah, it is. It really, it there's is. so many different places that you can really just 
eat your heart out in different flavors too. If you want seafood, if you want Italian, if you want Greek, it's just all there. Mm, I, uh, while we're on this track, uh, by the way, Old Bay on chicken wings, I tried for the first time down in Maryland and it is like a, uh, it's becoming a weekly staple. Maybe not always chicken wings, but we're putting Old Bay on everything, so. You, you're a convert. I am. <laughs> I am, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. We can't be a house without Old Bay, even here in Massachusetts. I can imagine. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I'm a born and bred Balmoran. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, so, well, we're glad you came up here because you've had a, uh, a pretty significant impact on our community in the greater Boston area and specifically here. Um, as I mentioned, you founded an organization, a manufacturing company yes. uh, locally as well, so that's pretty cool. But... Uh, Going back to your, um, going back to the pre-degree days. Okay. It seems like there was quite an, and it continues to say, but where did the work ethic come from? I mean, it, it, it's almost uh, tangible hearing you talk about it. My mother always called me a determined child. Okay. And How many siblings did you have? Or did you have any? Three. Okay. Where did you rank in I'm that? I'm the oldest. Okay. Type A? Type, uh, yes, type A. Um, driven That's and... That's the pot on the kettle black, by the way. <laughs> and it's also, I've always liked organizing things, and mm. I love making something happen. I like creating a plan mm-hmm. and making it happen. Sometimes, that doesn't always translate to work ethic, though. Uh, true. So I... Your don't parents, know to tell you. Your parents instill it? Parents, grandparents, yeah. everybody. Just a way of it was so everybody uh, had missions and goals. And mm. we were a scouting family, so in addition to uh, our regular schoolwork or what we were doing at home, we were also very involved with earning merit badges and mm. going camping. And there was always a lot of activity around that. You had a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. And it also helped you to really be a little more independent. Mm -hmm. One of the great activities I had with scouting was a really good friend and I who were in our troop decided to join the larger councils group that they put together to learn how to go wilderness backpacking. Mm -hmm. And it took us a year of classes to do that. And five of us went on our first four-day backpacking trip with only one adult. Things were different then. And it was a, a woman who took the five of us out. And you learned pretty quickly that if you didn't bring what you needed, you either had to make do or do without. Mm-hmm. And it really helped foster independence. So it was a great opportunity. And just all the camping trips that we went on and, and the songs and the camaraderie. So mm-hmm. it sort of just helps you get a great focus on life too. So were family trips with the two boys camping? Is that a big, big part of the... Uh we did some camping together. Yeah. Uh, my husband had also been a scout, and we also then got pretty busy with mm. life, the universe, and starting businesses. And, yes. Uh, and we also then had a daughter. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Here. So, so the fan. Okay. So. She's a native from Massachusetts. She's here, yeah. <laughs> the so only you, one. So you had to convert her to Old Bay. She didn't have it in her blood. Well, I guess technically. We, we're still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. Did you find? Um, it sounds to me like the outdoors had a pretty big impact on the person you became and those experiences to a degree, which I, yes, I'm gonna get, I'm taking a guess, obviously, but I feel the same way about about uh, my career thus far, if you want to say that. But do you still use that as a 
mechanism for blowing off steam, or is it, is, or has it become too much of a whirlwind where it's hard to get away for a hike or a? I, we still hike, yeah. and Frank enjoys hiking too. So, yeah. we might not climb the highest mountain, but we find great trails. Uh, one of our recurring trails that we enjoy is just going up to Tower Hill mm. or some of the local trails you can a lot of times through the land trust you can go online for any town and find the maps yeah, for yeah. their trails yeah. and just experience a new trail which mm. is a lot of fun no I, I was shocked at uh, I started mountain biking a few years ago I was shocked at how much public land there was but then also documentation and access to it it just you know I think maybe it's the generation I grew up in I think I need to find everything through this portal of a tablet or a phone or what have you but it was just like man is I would have never known that this stuff existed and not only is it existing it's in our backyard yes it's crazy and it's you don't realize how much is there around ponds and lakes and and they're enough that you could make a, a, sh a half a day just doing a yes. small trail yeah. and still feel like you've been out in wilderness and enjoying the the sunshine and mm. the fauna and the flora. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. It's a good mental reset, too. Yes. It's a good mental reset. So you've got all um, these different passions, and, you, and you're doing a number of different things. What, when you're waking up these days, like, what's getting you out of bed? What are you most excited to tackle in your daily life? It's interesting. I've always been an organizer and always been a planner, mm -hmm. and I always have lists. Mm -hmm. And Are you a night before plan your next morning? My next day, excuse me. Uh, the week before. Okay. Well, yeah. No. I'm. <laughs> and and I aspire and then re and revisiting yes. revisiting the daily what needs to happen, and I actually refocused mm -hmm. all of that uh, about a year or so ago, um, with a a company called True Focus, okay. and it was a time management organization oh. company. And I really, really enjoyed it because uh, Sarah helped me to go ahead and use the tools that I have. Pick the tool that you like to use best and try to have everything in one place. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what, what this is. Yeah. And I, it's great because if you get the right kind of planner, and a lot of people like to do it electronically. I'm mm -hmm. still a paper and pencil person I, a lot of times. I have a journal, straight up. And it really helps me because I'll have the longer term plan mm -hmm. and then how to break it up into smaller chunks for what I want to get done that day and build it into the day. And that's always how I've been. I, yeah. I, I still have calendars that go all the way back many, many, many years. And I know <laughs> so. that, I, that's awesome you mentioned that because that's where I was going to go. Do, this has always been a habit for you, the planning? It has been, but I, I really was able to fine-tune it when mm -hmm. I went to True Focus. Okay. And uh, Sarah gives a lot of different... Uh, uh, seminars and sometimes she'll do a 90-day boot camp or mm. you can do a, a, a weekend boot camp mm. and it really makes you crystallize your goals and what you want to do and and helps you figure out tools that you want to use to on a regular basis mm. and I've, I'm still using them and oh, really even fun. though I'm already a planner I've gotten better at it which mm -hmm. is really great so practical application of the goal setting and the tools and, and for me I, I'm going back to comprehensive power of the organization you founded when you started that company in your house how what was the what was the end was there was there an end goal in mind for years when um, 
Frank, my husband, yeah. when Frank and I were traveling back and forth to visit Poor his Frank, family. Poor Frank, we should have had him on with you. I've already <laughs> mentioned him more times. <laughs> That's all right. When we were traveling back and forth to visit his family mm -hmm. in Vermont, I was taking my classes, mm -hmm. and he was actually in school too. He okay. was going down to George Washington to um, work on his master's and PhD classes that he was uh, taking for the technical side of life. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about starting a business together, but mm -hmm. we just couldn't figure out how it was going to fit into our life. And then he found this job he really wanted to take here in Massachusetts. And I left uh, my research. I actually had left the year before when I'd given birth to my second child, but I really just didn't want to be home doing anything, so I started a childcare in my home for a year. Mm. And that was interesting too. And but then he wanted to move, and so I said, if you if you find the job that really makes you happy, let's go there, and we'll figure out what we're going to do next. And one day after I'd had my third child, he came out to me and he said, "What do you think about starting a, a business, and and maybe part time?" And I said, "Well, it's about time I put my degree to work," and we hadn't really done anything yet with it. And so there were times when it was really funny because it was his industry. But I was pulling together all of my resources that I had in the community. So I was pulling together the lawyers and the bankers mm -hmm. and the accountants from my contacts. And we basically were pulling all of that together. And then he came home one day and said, let's do this full time. And I looked at him. You know, we had a mortgage and three kids. And I went, how are we going to do this? <laughs> mm. We decided to leap off the cliff together and then we started the company. Very cool. And it was uh, lean, many lean days. Uh, we, it was interesting too, to understand how different it was to be sitting in a classroom and learning, and then really figuring out what it is you need to do to start a business. There were mm -hmm. so many aha experiences, mm -hmm. where yes, I had the basic theory and idea of what it is we're supposed to do, but I really needed to figure out the details. And one state is different than another, so you really had to dig in. Mass.gov, you, you learn an awful lot on Mass.gov. Mm. I always told my students that in, when I taught them about business. And it's also really interesting because people would say, oh, you're starting your own business. You can do anything you want. And I'd say, well, to a certain extent, time-wise, I, I can make my own decisions of how my time is going to work. Mm -hmm. I said, but, you know, as long as the employees are paid and the vendors are happy and the customers are happy and the tax man is happy, uh, sure, I can do anything I want. Right, <laughs> because right. there's a lot of romance about starting a, yeah, <laughs> starting a new a business. A few stakeholders there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, have, you have to make sure that all of those things are taken care of. And when people are starting a business, they have, or they think they want to start a business, they don't realize all of that. Mm. And I didn't realize even from all the classes that I had. Uh, do you when you made the leap of faith, mm -hmm. did you and Frank set a time like, oh, we're gonna give it a go for this long? Or was it like, just jumping off the cliff and let's see how we go? What we thought was that maybe we would do this for three to five years and okay. then we will have made our millions. And uh, and then we would sell the company and, and move on. And that, well, uh, life is, not always following exactly what you think is going mm, to happen. Weird how that works. I really like the saying, um, life is all about you, how you handle plan B. Mm. And 
and it's really true because especially when you're running your own business right and we got to certain points and we realized you know we need we need an infusion of money so then we started down the whole venture capitalist mm. uh, route which then we had to make a change we had been a Massachusetts s and you had to most anybody who wants to make yeah. a big investment wants you to be a Delaware C. Mm -hmm. So we had to transition from a Massachusetts S to a Delaware C. And we act, and we originally started off as a consultant, went into research and development, and then we actually became a manufacturing corporation. Okay. So it was it was a lot of technical work. Technical, there. and yeah. you have to learn all along the way, mm -hmm. and all the regulations and mm -hmm. everything. And what I didn't realize is. Moving from a moving to a manufacturer, that the government sends you a small packet of questionnaire information that they want you to answer, so they can have all their statistics about all the manufacturers. And when you're a very small company, you only have a couple of administrative people. Everybody else needs to be working on actually building the product or making mm -hmm. the product happen or designing the product. And so you don't realize that there's only so much time to be able to do all of the administration right. because you actually want your employees to get paid. So mm -hmm. there's payroll and their, their 401k and everything else. So it was just very, very interesting, but it was also fantastic and exciting. You know, when you, when you get the contract and you're like, wow, we've got the contract. And it's like, oh, wow, now we have to do all the work. Is this a fire hose, you know, <laughs> situation? <laughs> so, and sometimes it was. Sometimes then we had to figure out how to, um, to make that happen. Mm. And I used to tell my students one, at one point, and a lot of people um, find this kind of funny, is we actually had three mortgages just to be able to keep the company running and to make payroll. And one day, which is a very, very funny day, it was kind of shocking, I got a telephone call from the home insurance company, and they said, hi, we'd like to cancel your home insurance. And I went, but why? <laughs> they yeah. said, well, they said, we're afraid that, um, you know, you, you have three mortgages, and, and we're afraid you're gonna burn your house down to get the money. And I went, hmm. I said, first of all, uh, I won't have a house to live in if I do that. Right. I said, second of all, I don't think like that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that never even occurred to me. And call. third, we're actually making payments, you know, yeah. faster than you even, than any of the, the lenders Doc, want, yeah, you know, so, yeah. so they said, oh, okay. And I said, I've told you all this from the very beginning. It wasn't like it was a surprise. They said, okay, that's all right. Thanks, mm. goodbye. <laughs> I, when I hear stories like so, that, I always wonder to myself, what went on at that company before they made that phone call to you? Like your name popped up on a list as like an at-risk. Someone talks to them like, yeah, let's definitely call her and cancel um, that it was, it was probably statistics. Yeah, oh, It was probably that, you know, and they were just trying to make sure that it didn't seem like that was going to happen. I mean, after I thought about it afterwards, I realized that's probably what it was. Yeah. But to get that telephone call wow. when you're working so hard to make everything work, to make sure that your employees are taken care of and they have food on the table and you mm. have food on the table and the company's running, uh, it sort of makes you feel like you're not doing your job. Why would you ask that question? Mm -hmm. Yes, right? <laughs> so. was, was, you must have so many weird stories from running a business then. That's a weird one. Yeah, isn't that, that weird? That's a weird one. We always joke in our business, we've got a highlight reel of weird inter interpersonal stories we can share, right? Because 
we get into the weirdest situations. People are weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> just there's no there's well, no way about it. You can't predict it. You know, Be- there are things you just can't predict. Exactly. What? Um, how long did you own and operate the business for? Frank and I together worked in the business for about 10 years. Okay. Now, remember, in the beginning, yeah. we were thinking it was only going to be about three to five years. Mm. And I actually stepped away from the company at 10 years. Okay. And part of the reason for that, there were multiple reasons. One was we were starting to grow, and if we were going to wind up getting more uh, funding, yeah. For, for venture capitalists or anybody who wanted to invest in the company. They really wanted to see another CEO who had actually run that type of company before and taken it to the next level. Yeah. And so to be able to scale the company. And at that point, I was also ready to make a change because since we were only planning to do this and you're if you're running a family company and it's 24 seven, mm-hmm. we worked really hard to try to separate things out. Yeah. But even when you do that, if you're together every day, you kind of know everything that happened. So at the end of the day, you just don't have much to talk about. (laughs) Especially if you don't want to talk about the business. So it was great for me. Yes, and so it was great for me to have a chance to actually get back to what I had started. Mm. I wanted to be able to teach at some point Mm. and and consult, and so I created New Venture Evolution to be able to do that, and also then teach and I was given the opportunity. I, at first, I was offered the opportunity. It was a volunteer opportunity to be the director of Tech Sandbox. And oh, in Hockington. In Hockington. Yeah, I live there. And you live there. I okay. live there, and I, I must say, I've have never checked it out, but I've heard uh, my neighbor Pat has been to a few of the events. Well, they have since closed. Right. Um, but Tech Sandbox was a great opportunity for me to reach out to lots of different organizations. I had already been a part of uh, the WPI Venture Forum and, the, mm-hmm. and, the, and now the Venture Forum to organize programs. And that was basically what I was doing. And the Tech Sandbox was an incubator. It was an incubator as well as bringing thought leaders together so that everybody okay. could come together to network and, and have lots of different discussions. I was part of uh, a chairman of RoboSAM, which was uh, robotics, automation and sensors and manufacturing. Mm. And so that was one small focus. There was also clean energy. And we would bring in speakers and topics. And it was really a a great experience. I really had a good time. And Barb was already on the teaching circuit. And she was so busy running the business. And she knew I was interested in getting involved in teaching business that one of her opportunities, she really just couldn't sign up and say yes to yet another one. And she knew I was interested, and so offered me the opportunity uh, to teach Introduction to Business. And mm-hmm. that was at Becker College. Yeah. And I have been there teaching for six years. Okay. Uh, I opted out of this semester due to um, a family member who had been ill mm-hmm. and uh, a parent. And so I decided to take the semester off and go ahead and make sure that uh, everybody was, right. was going to be okay. Yeah. So it worked out well. I can't imagine having to reshuffle my entire uh, semester schedule right now like a lot of professors are having to do because of the virus. And I know that they're all probably on 24-7 just trying to get everything reorganized to Mm -hmm. be able to take care of their students. And I know my heart goes out to them trying to get everything arranged to make make it right for all the students. Yeah, I was going to add real quick just on that topic. 
think I read in the paper this morning of the push to online classes. Um, are, are, is a, is a college like Becker set up to just flip a switch and have people logging in from... Uh, Many of the classes already have a lot of online work. aspects. Okay. And a lot of the professors created uh, videos, you know, mm -hmm. their, their online videos for their semester, you know, for their individual classes so that students could do it online. My emphasis was really to have students come together. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted a lot of understanding about face-to-face, -face, which is so funny right now because actually in class I would make sure every single one of my students on the first day would shake hands with me. Mm. And then we would have a discussion about the proper way to shake hands. And now right. we're not supposed to be shaking right. hands. <laughs> so. And I can't even, it's been so ingrained in my brain, I can't even, I, I, when I walk in I just think, I, it's like, I did it's too. so hard. It's just so hard to not do it now. I exactly. Guess I love the, uh, the kick that's going on. People are kicking each other, like, kicking's the wrong word. They're greeting each other by tapping feet. By tapping feet. <laughs> but that was a good one. Yes, that's probably safer. It is. It as is. long as you don't trip somebody. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Do you, kind of interested to ask you some teaching questions, but I'd love to hear, um, because I do think the roman the romanticizing of being a business owner is uh, is often talked about, or often thought about, I should, I should probably say, by whether it's uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or recent college grads. Can you maybe share some really, uh, or a time or a decision that was particularly difficult as a business owner that you probably, um, I don't even know, maybe you still wrestle with it today. Like, is there anything that really was like, whoa, that is hard, that you feel comfortable sharing? Because I think it's, uh, we, you're, most folks are insulated from that type of information. I think one of the interesting, and it's been written about in different books too, for, for people, who want to start a business or who start and not realize what they're getting into. Right. And even though in general I thought I knew what we were getting into, it was still hard personality-wise for me because I'm a doer and I like to know everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest parts for me was to trust that the people that I'm going to hire are going to be able to do their job and I don't need to know everything. Right. I kept delegating. wanting to know everything. Well, it isn't just delegating. It's like I wanted to understand what it was they were doing, but yet in the position that I was in, there was no way I could understand everything right. that they were doing. Right. And that's the reason you hire people. And, and it's delegating. It wasn't, I knew that they would do the job. I just kept wanting to know more. And it was actually, I think, holding them back and holding me back from, from being able to sometimes be more successful than, than what we were. Mm. And so That's I think it was a growing experience. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, it was It was one of the hardest parts very early on was when we hired people other than Frank and me mm. to, to be employees. Because all of a sudden I had this realization that now we were responsible for putting food on the table for somebody other than just our family. Right. And it was... The responsibility of that was really heavy. Yeah. And I mean, it took a while to get used to, but it also made me work harder and want mm. to do even better mm. to make sure that everybody was taken care of. Right, it's a big family. Because I re as we grew, I really, really felt like everybody was working with us. Even though I signed their paychecks yeah. as the president of the company, um, 
we separated things out. Frank was chairman of the board, and initially he was vice president, but then we kept changing positions and doing things later. But at the beginning, I was the president, so I was always the one signing unless I couldn't, and he, he would sign them. But I just always felt that people were working with us, mm -hmm. and I, that's the way I wanted to treat them, mm -hmm. and not that they were working for us. I mean, now occasionally there would be something critical that would come up and we'd have to make executive decisions, but I still liked to include people in how we made decisions. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, feel a, uh, it's hard for me to even come up with the best way to ask this question, but as someone who, so just a little bit about me, I really cut my teeth in the staffing business in manufacturing, engineering and manufacturing, so um, crazy, I don't know how I got there, like out of college, but it was just my dad was in construction, always been interested in how things go together, and then, you know, my curiosity plus this business opportunity came together, and it, it worked out really well. I'm super grateful for it, but, and I, and I've attended events with Andrea and other folks in our organization, women in manufacturing, women mm -hmm. in tech, as a woman, as a very successful businesswoman who uh, spent a decade in manufacturing, what was your experience like through that? Do you... I don't know, as a teacher, I'm guessing there's a level of wanting to inspire more folks to get into it. I, you know, manufacturing sometimes has a bad rap from the way it was viewed, and now when you tour manufacturing facilities in 2020, man, I wish my house was that clean. You know, like it's, it's, true. it's changed quite a bit. It's, it's interesting from a couple different perspectives. By the way, one of the classes that I teach right now is business, uh, career exploration and oh. I take students on tours and I make sure I include a manufacturing I hope company. The podcast makes it to the curriculum. But the, the <laughs> company that I take them to is called Kenefec and they're yes. Worcester and they have been fabulous allowing me to bring the students through and and they're, the students are always so amazed, again, you know, because it's so clean. And they, their idea of what a, a, a manufacturing facility was is like an oil grime and dirt. Right, exactly. <laughs> and actually, I've worked in the oil field as well. And yeah, it can right. be pretty yes. grimy. Yes. But even some of their offices can be pretty neat nice, in the back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so wild. So, so wild. Um, being a woman in the industry is, is kind of interesting. Yeah. Because, first of all, you wind up being one of the few. Mm. And there are other women, and there are more. More people, I think, are getting involved, especially on the business administration side. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting that you really are one of the few. Yeah. And sometimes it was a little awkward, mm. and other times it didn't matter. Sometimes it depended on which company you were dealing with. Right. And, and it's okay. Because yeah. my mission was just to be a person, yeah, not right. to be, not, not to be right. a woman, not right. to be a man. I just wanted to be a person doing the job I needed to do, and I always found a way to talk to the people that I needed to talk to, mm -hmm. and I had some some of the more interesting experiences probably in the oil field, mm -hmm. uh, but but yet they still were people that would work with me once they they got to know me it was okay mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was my you a friend of mine kind of laughed though when when I finally when Laura Burroughs finally came to our our company she um she was absolutely fabulous you know she she was there to basically help keep the ship going as 
when I was very busy trying to tackle many, many things, she would be there to answer questions, take mm -hmm. care of people, and she truly was a great office manager. And it was a very good friend of mine who started her own business. Um, she is a corporate interior designer okay. who had actually uh, revolutionized or totally redesigned an entire hospital in Cairo, Egypt Whoa. as a woman, and it was her business. Mm. This is the one I went backpacking with. Yes, okay. <laughs> very cool. So she's, um, she basically said she was referring to me as Wendy in Never Neverland with, you know, the only girl with all of these, yes. <laughs> these guys yeah. around. But it was okay. They were yeah. great people. I, I worked with, uh, everybody was wonderful and I mean, there were days when everybody had hard days, and, and right. maybe we didn't always agree with what was going on. But what job don't you have where right. you know, well, everything's not going to be? Well, there's no tension. There's probably something wrong. With it, <laughs> right? Like got, there should be some amount of healthy tension. So, here, so, here and there, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, that's interesting. Any trends you've noticed change over your time in manufacturing, or even just your time um, consulting with businesses? And I've seen, uh, I've seen more women. Uh, in different manufacturing facilities and taking on more roles. I know that when I take the students on the tour, we have lead people in, in the company taking the students around and explaining everything that's going on on the floor because mm. they're in charge of international sales right. right? for the whole company. So it's really... That's great to hear. It is. It is great it's hear. great to hear. Yeah. I just feel that sometimes we need to help students and help people understand how great manufacturing places can be. Mm. What I tell the students is you don't, when you learn business skills, they transfer across different industries. So you ha might have to learn different lingo, technology. Yeah. You might have to learn some of the different uh, points where there's certain sales are more, more important in certain areas or certain countries, but you just learn, you go and you, you learn the skills. I mm -hmm. said what's important is that they have a great attitude. They need to have great soft skills mm -hmm. and they need to be able to move across industries because, and I tell them, don't skip a tour. You know, make sure you go to all the different tours. I said, you don't know what's out there. That's part of the reason for this. Yeah. And even if you don't want that particular industry, you might have a best friend that you can say, well, I went to such and mm. such, and you might want to consider take, mm -hmm. you know, going to that location. Right. So it's very, uh, I miss I like that. the manufacturing side. I yeah. miss being a part of that industry because everybody is so focused and it, it seems, you know, you have a product, mm. you're trying to get a product out and, right. and make it happen and have everybody pull together as a team and make mm -hmm. that happen. Yeah. And it's great when people are also pulling for the same mission mm -hmm. and, and to feel proud when it's done. Right. And we used to try to celebrate when we actually would get something important out the door oh. to a yeah, customer. How do you not, right? Well, I mean, we just, because everybody was working like so win. hard. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and I think there's something, um, we serve a, such a variety of industries and I, I must admit I'm so partial at times to the engineer, the, the product development industries, whether they be medical device or contract manufacturers or OEMs themselves, it just, it's, uh, maybe it's just there's something old school about being able to touch a product at the end of the day and see the intricacies that, that a human being had to put into it. I, you know, I'm still the geek who's like, I, you know, we 
put people on a rocket and send it to the moon, and now we re, uh, and now we send people to outer space and reland the rockets. It's like, it's oh. just incredible, right? So, I geek out over that stuff. I still get goosebumps every time I watch one of the rocket ships take off. It's I break out into like a cold sweat. Yeah, it's like, oh my <laughs> god, I can't imagine amazing. being that person. I can't imagine being that person. Do you, as an educator, do you feel? Fails is too strong of a word, but where do you think our higher education is failing folks in terms of preparing them for um, the real world? Because I, I went to a reputable higher education and they did community outreach. I would bucket at the kind of stuff you're doing, but we didn't, we didn't tour facility. I think that that's, sounds awesome to me because I think there's, there's so many people where they're learning style, when they're trying to think about where where am I going to go after college? It's hard to do it through watching a video, um, listening to someone else who's had the experience. You, sometimes you just got to get into a facility and feel the vibe and and understand what's going on and the smells. Of it. You know you know what I mean by that, like the tactile part of it. So I don't. Have you heard of project based learning? I guess I have not. This is. No, one I of haven't. the really big pushes in. A, it, I know it's at Becker. Okay. I know it's at WPI. Okay. And I know in a lot of colleges, this is what they're trying to do. Rather than even just touring, it's it's more like uh, mini assignments. Uh, assignments that you would work with a real mm. company. So I did so that a in local college, bank. So I take that back. Okay, so if you Sorry did that, then Vermont that actually company, we did, we oh, you got to go to the teddy bear. Uh, so I went to school in Vermont, <laughs> and we did uh, we did a marketing campaign for the teddy bear company, and we did a marketing plan. I'm jealous. More of a business plan for a Vermont tent company. So, they, yeah, it was pretty. And we would have, like, the, their VP team come in, and then we'd present our plans, and they would rate us on application. And Anytime you can get that kind of a real yeah. experience, it, it gives you the understanding of the expectations of the real world for a job. Right. It gives you the beginning of communication mm. and interactions with people that are in the real world. And... It looks great on your yeah it on does. your portfolio. Okay, your so resume. I guess I do know. Okay. I, that, and you, I'm with you. That is, I think that makes sense, in terms of integrating people to what I would like to do after this whole right. college experience ends, or what you don't want to do. Right. Because maybe you try one of those mm. and it's not right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe and a big part of trying jobs and going to college is figuring out what you like and what mm -hmm. you don't like, and even thereafter for the rest of your life you're going to try different things and you're going to say this is fabulous i i don't want to leave here for a while because i know i can learn i know mm. i can grow and i like the people and there are other times when you go time to go right right <laughs> so do you do you find how long have you been at becker now you said six six years yeah adjunct faculty i only yeah. work you know, just a couple classes yeah. or a one class a semester sometimes but i'm sure through that you've built relationships with students over the years do you find that they're coming back to you for advice once they get out into the real world and they're like, this is the situation I'm dealing with? They, well, uh, sometimes I get asked for a, ref a reference. Yeah. Uh, a number of them have linked in with me. Yes. And I just tell them, I said, it, you know, it's never a requirement, but if you'd like to link in with me mm -hmm. after class is over, then I'm yes. happy to do that. And some of them will just, uh, congratulate me on on my anniversaries mm -hmm. for work anniversaries yeah. and I try to congratulate them on theirs but I haven't had any comeback for okay. advice yeah 
all, like I said, references. Yeah, that makes but sense. I'm just so excited for them to see them growing and changing. Right. And to me, that that's I can imagine. That's part of why I was giving back as mm -hmm. an adjunct faculty member anyway, mm -hmm. because it truly is. Uh, it was coming full circle where I planned to teach in the beginning, and then only did the student teaching. I taught 11th grade U.S. history when mm -hmm. I was doing my student okay. teaching, and then I wound up teaching here at the end of my career. Mm. But, uh, awesome. or close to the end. I don't feel like I'm done. No, yeah, <laughs> so Dude, I, I still have a lot of fun things I'd love to try, but awesome. I, I'm trying to figure out the next path. I'm looking for the next opportunity. Okay. We'll see where it goes. But uh, before I ask you about that, what, what advice would you give to students that you had no opportunity to connect with, right? Like, I think that I'd love to think that this podcast is listened to by uh, either recent college grads or folks planning for their next career or folks maybe um, that either like to listen to our conversations or are in the middle or end of their career but are not happy and maybe it's time to make a move or what have you. Like they're just looking for experiences and, and another data point, so to speak. Would you have advice, like general advice that you give to folks? Those are all, I gave you 80 different stages, yes, so I apologize. Did. But maybe, <laughs> That's all right. But I mean, maybe if you focus around the recent college grad or the, or the person gearing up for the end of their senior year here. I mostly tell people that if you're not sure what you want to do, first of all, try something. Mm -hmm. Try a job, yeah. you know, even if it's not necessarily in your career. Also, volunteer. Mm. Find something that is as close to what you think you want to do and volunteer because what you're going to do is you're going to meet people in the field who also are going to be interested in where you want to go. Mm. I also tell people to do informational interviews. An information, informational interview is just calling someone in the field you think you'd like and say, listen, I'm interested in the career. I'm not sure I really, uh, where I'd like to go with this career. Would you be interested in, in talking with me for 30 minutes and helping me understand your path and how you got here? And most people will say yes if they have the time because they like to give back. And you also, you've just made a connection. Right. You also have just learned what was important to them. And there's, there's a real good series of questions that, that you can ask so that you can understand what they like about it, how mm -hmm. hard was it to get there, and whether what it's something, what you've done differently. I tell them to respect the 30 minutes, and when you get to the 30, end of the 30 minutes, say, you know, this is all we have. So um, I only told you I wanted 30 minutes, and if they say they want to go on, to give the time to do that. And so that's really important, and I just can't Love emphasize that. to the, the volunteering, mm. because you, you can go someplace, uh, just this past week at Rotary, we had a community harvest in Grafton, mm -hmm. Massachusetts, come and talk to our Rotary group. Mm -hmm. And companies from all over come and volunteer there. Like Dell, you know, they mm -hmm. will, you just, if you have volunteer time, they might right. go to community harvest at any point and they'll have a group of the employees there. You could be beside somebody who, they might ask what you do, I'm looking you know, to find a career after college in this particular area, they might mm. not have one for you, but right. they probably know five people who do. Right. It's so, <laughs> so, it's so true. volunteer. Mm -hmm. If somebody's having a gala, volunteer to help with the gala. Mm. So uh, that's the first time I've heard the volunteer advice, or recently, it kind of re reminded me of that for a while. I love that because, it, especially when you don't have a lot to lose, right? And it's a feel-good thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, a hundred percent. So. But your 
I'm glad to hear that your students are taking up the, um, or folks you give that advice, are taking up the calling people in their fields they think they'd be interested in. I can't imagine receiving a phone call from someone who's like, hey, I'm kind of interested in what you do. would love to pick your brain for 30 minutes. Um, well, it's kind of a feel-good for them, too. No. It's oh, like, my God, right? How do you let not? me talk about myself. How do you, how do you not you say You asked me yes to come to talk that. about myself today. <laughs> I did. I did. It's, right? so, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a fun thing. <laughs> it's a, it's, it is a fun thing. I mean, and, and um, it's funny because uh, one of my main responsibilities here is helping coaching and teaching sales in, internally at Davis. And uh, it's like when you call, it's not about you. It's all about them. Make the, their empower. And you're there to serve them, and you, you, there needs to be a confidence that goes with that. But uh, I feel like having you say, you know, pick up the phone and call someone. It's so true. Because that confidence you gain is so important for the rest of the, that yes. is to build upon moving forward. Because when things get hard, you're going to need to use that foundation you've built of like, ah, I can do this. I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to this person. So. And our younger generation would rather text right. somebody yes. than... Yes. than actually call. It was funny because I was trying to understand emojis mm. because it's not, it's new to me. Yes. It's not, it's native to mm. my children who right. are young adults. And my daughter tried to explain it to me and she said, well, we're trying to be able to figure out how to talk to each other through just emojis. I said, so we're cavemen, basically. We've gone back to the cavemen. <laughs> I said, I said, we're still going to learn how to talk on the telephone. Right? And it's, I mean, <laughs> so. and, and uh, good Lord, we have all this time talking face-to-face, and it's still imperfect, you know? And, yes. And, and, and a picture is only going to confuse things. So Because you can interpret, interpret so many different ways. So many different ways. <laughs> um, so, so you alluded to you're not sure what's next. What's on? Is there certain balls in the air that you're uh, juggling or just musing on today? I think it's it's thinking about what I've enjoyed most and what would I like to do next. Okay. And looking at a lot of the different kinds of jobs that I've had, what gave me the most satisfaction? Mm. And there were times when even though being involved in manufacturing we were running our own company, right. there was so much of the work that we had to do to make the company go as the executives. Mm. That it might be fun to just work for a manufacturing mm. company and help them achieve their mission and their goal. Yeah. And and have a, a mission and a goal that and value that I believe in and mm. that I can help everybody else around me to get excited about and mm. to believe in and to make yeah. everything happen mm-hmm. because that's really really important you have to be able I tell the students I say if if you're in a company because you're just there for the paycheck yes you'll have a paycheck but you're probably on more often than not going to be unhappy yeah. and even when I used to interview people to hire them for our company I used to say look this is what I really want for you I said most days when you get up in the morning I want you to be excited mm. to come to work mm. or at least be happy yeah you're not every day. No job is going to give you every single day because there's too many things in life that's going to interfere. Where some right. days you're, you're not going to be happy, but along along the time, along the way that you're here, and the many days that you're here, I would really love for you to be happy to come into work. And that is how I used to present things mm-hmm. when I was interviewing people. And I think it would be fun to find that kind of an opportunity. Yeah. 
I'm not sure what's out there. And right now I've, I've taken a, a short leave mm -hmm. for what I'm doing with the teaching and looking at my options. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I think what you just said was really good advice for anyone at any stage of their job search, career search, what's next. It's like, get out of bed and want to go there. Yes. Most days. Most days. Most days, I think most days. Some days you're not going to feel good. Oh, my God. Some We're days humans. you got personal things going right? on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? And, and, so. uh, it's, and life is complicated, but I think that's really good advice because um, there's so many stories. It's, 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 there's just so many stories of people that make tons of money or, or perceived happiness and fame, and they're not happy because they're not doing what they love to do. Yes. And I think you got to sense that it's... It's easy to be there as a college kid being like, I'm pretty sure I'd be happy making $4 million a year. You know what I mean? But it's like, well, only if you really like to do that because there's a lot of stress that comes with those things, which is kind of... And hours. Oh, my God, right? I can only imagine there, what it was like bootstrapping. There there were times when I was balancing the checkbook at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> just because that was it was quiet and mm -hmm. I could think it through. Right. I know. <laughs> so. Having young children while doing it all must have been... Just, I have a f almost five, almost three right now. Mm -hmm. Couldn't imagine that as the extra ball to keep in the air. It was interesting because we, through most of the years, they were also very involved with scouts and, mm. and sports, and yeah. so you had to keep all of that rolling too, which yeah. was interesting. But it was okay because they were part of the reason we were doing everything we were doing. No, that's awesome. And that makes it easier. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. But again, you can have lots and lots of money and no time to do anything with mm -hmm. it, right? If you're working all those hours, what you have all this money, when do you find the time to actually do something? Right, right, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> so. it's so true, it's so true. Well, I think that's a, almost a great way to, to end it. Uh, I, I thank you so much for your time here, and before I let you totally off the hook, I got a quick rapid fire. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I, I heard about this. Um, just to keep, I, I never wanted it to be like a, uh, I never wanted the podcast to be like so structured, but okay. I always thought to myself when I'm starting, like, we got to do something like the same time every every time, <laughs> just because I think however long this lasts, when we look back on it, it'll be funny to see okay. things change or whatever. So, favorite cocktail or drink? Dry Riesling. Okay. Love it. Favorite curse word? Sugar honey iced tea. Oh. Wow. That is phenomenal. I'm sorry, I had to think about that for a second. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Um, I need to. I don't really like curse words. I, so I, I can tell. I, I um, unfortunately, I'm not that good at it, but I need to incorporate <laughs> some of that with my children getting to the schooling ages. So I, I, I they'll know. repeat everything you say. Oh, 100%. Uh, how about your favorite guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Okay. Particular kind? Dark. Okay. Brand? Just dark chocolate. <laughs> okay. Are you a quote person? I like, like lots of quotes. Oh, you do? Cool. Yeah. All right. I'm, I also am in that category. Which, how, do you have any favorites? I think I mentioned it earlier. My current yeah. favorite yeah. is life is all about how you handle plan B. Yes. That's a much more um, professional way of, of saying one of my favorite quotes from Mike Tyson, of all people, which is uh, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Yes. You know, but it's so true. It's like, you think you, 
things are going to go wrong. When you so. start a business, you have to have a cast iron stomach because I, all those things keep happening to yeah. you. You have to have plan B. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. You told me your first job, which was babysitting at the neighbors. Yes. How about first job you got a uh, W-2 from? Uh, I was a clerk in a Rite Aid drugstore. Cool. Very cool. But hey, I'm sure those customer service skills never failed you. It was right? a great job. What a great I experience. That stuff. Had a couple friends who worked there too. We had yeah. a good time. Oh, that's awesome. A great pharmacist on Sunday afternoon. He was a hoot. <laughs> right? The people you work with make it. Yes. Um, what about your daily routine? Would people find most odd? Right around four or five o'clock mm -hmm. in the area where I am in the back of the house, I turn on all the lights. Okay because it's cheerier and when we moved up here especially in the dead of winter there's a half an hour difference where it gets darker earlier than when I used to live in Maryland and mm. I used to find myself just feeling kind of gloomy yeah, yeah. so I had read some place that yeah. like seasonal affective disorder light therapy helps so I went great I'll just turn all the lights on yeah okay <laughs> and about two hours later I turned them back down again and everything's cool yeah <laughs> So. And the electric bill's worth it, right? The half hour yes. a day. Well, it's it's fairly cheap therapy. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so. um, when we'll wrap it up with this one. When through when did your job become a career? Like at any point did that happen? Maybe in the comprehensive power days? Was it right from the get go? I guess you consumed yourself. You've had an interesting background. I consider I had a 10-year career in medical research. Yes. Then took a, a leap. I did one year and actually ran a child care center in my home. Right. It was a little international center. had kids of all different ages awesome. and, and countries. And then we moved here. And then a few years later, that was when Frank and I mm -hmm. started the business. And then I spent another 10 years running a power electronics company. Never would I have thought that right. I'd be very, working very cool. side by side with a great guy running a power electronics company. Mm -hmm. His industry, and that's okay. But again, yeah. it was those business skills that transfer across different industries. Mm -hmm. And and it was fun. That's it was awesome. always exciting, mm -hmm. never boring. <laughs> well, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks um, for having me. And if there's, uh, hopefully this podcast can maybe help folks in your in your courses or if there's other folks you think would uh we should share with the world don't hesitate to let us know but uh keep us in the loop about what happens to about the next stage and uh love to have you back thank you, thank you. have a great day you too.